Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for all of the likes and shares that you guys have put up on social media. As always, please do continue doing all of that. We've had some amazing guests on over the last few weeks, and the feedback has been amazing. This week is quite special for me. I've been following this guy for quite a while. It's with Ben Coomer. So Ben has been in the industry for quite a while. And he is very, very passionate about all things nutrition, uh, all things fitness related, and he's had his own journey himself. Ben was quite overweight, um, and he's gone from being obese to slim, and now you wouldn't think he's had that journey when you look at his physique now. And one one of the things that Ben did recently was he did a cover for a magazine, and one of the posts that resonated with me the most was, he 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 wants to kind of give more of an accurate uh, opinion of or picture of of his body shape rather than having kind of the depth the hardcore definition abs that you see in the magazines. So that kind of the, the general John and Mary out in the road would kind of resonate with that. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Ben. I really appreciate it. Mate, you're welcome. Thank you very much. And a lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I know you're you're a busy man, um, and I know you're 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 quite busy. So we'll go on with the kind of the, the questions and stuff like that. I know I kind of gave a brief introduction of yourself, but if you could tell kind of the listeners that may not be familiar with your story in a little bit more detail, tell us your story and how you got into the whole the whole sphere of fitness in general. So it used to be obese at the age of eighteen, and I was venturing into a career of acting. And kind of looked at myself and said, I don't really believe that I could be successful the way that I looked and I felt. So embarked on a health and fitness journey, had a lot of problems, was not get, getting a lot of results. Uh, I was about five months in and I'd lost about five pounds, which is pretty crap when you're losing weight. And had to rethink things, had to think critically and think what's going on. How do I find or get better results. So I did that, I joined a different gym, fell in the hands of a good trainer, fortunately, and he recommended a few things. And with better guidance, better advice, better information, I lost four stone in four months, then lost another stone and a half over the next month. And that really started my passion for health and fitness, ended up leaving uh, my desire to uh, do acting and went and chased a career in fitness, became a trainer, worked as a trainer for a while, felt my calling was was bigger than that, was different, was more wrapped around teaching, and then the sort of evolution of the online space came, so I ventured into that realm. Also went worked in pro sport, worked coaching kids, did tons of stuff, uh, and now, what, 12 years later, uh, still bibbling around the internet, um, chatting crap about fitness and nutrition <laughs> and you had it you're, you're you've you've kind of had it struck a new deal you're doing some new venture at the minute i saw that you're working on a tv station as well now how are you finding that kind of going on the tv fine i love talking about what i do so just another opportunity to uh try and inspire a bigger audience yeah there's lots going on uh, i keep getting asked I've, sort of, I've been on sky tv for music i've done quite a lot of stuff recently and uh, i just take it as the opportunity comes if not i just crack on with what i do and like like obviously there's only 24 hours in a day and stuff like that but how do you kind of manage your day and how do you fit everything in including your own training you recently got married as well so congratulations on that how do you fit everything in 
fit everything by being organised and having a plan. Um, you know, I think the modern day, it's easy to procrastinate and get distracted and stuff. And it's all because of our phone and social media and notifications popping up. So I'm very good at turning off my phone, putting it on flight mode, ignoring it and getting on with my day and my work and what I need to do. It's very easy to get distracted, especially as me. I spend a lot of time at home, working from home. Um, but also I have a good team. Like I've got six full-time staff, about eight different contractors and part-time people. So, you know, I've got quite a good amount of people around me pulling the strings and I suppose I'm just a puppet. No, that that that's some empire you've built for yourself there. So so fair play on that. I know when we you were kind of saying about the the weight loss when you were kind of, when you were obese. Did you have an epiphany moment that kind of said, "Oh, I I actually need to go and lose some weight." What was that moment? It went into the big bad world. Really, I've been uh, at boarding school since the age of nine, so I, I kind of had a very good education, but also a very sheltered life and. It was that prospect of going out into the world and going, right, it's all on you now. No one's going to look after you. No one's going to do anything for you. Your career is yours to make. And I just kind of looked at my asset, which was me, and I didn't think it was good enough. And that was why I felt I had to get fit and healthy to be successful in my career endeavours. Because at the time, the career I was going into was highly competitive. And, and it does ultimately come down to how you look a lot of the time. You go into an audition, it's like, you know, you're not fit, you can't dance well. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to do it, I had to get the work done. And I'm glad because I'm a very healthy and fit guy now. You know, you, you, you look awesome. Your your physique's incredible. Uh, you also you have the you have a gym at home as well. With the it does it's not all fancy equipment and stuff like that. It's literally just the kind of the old school dumbbells and doing the stuff at home. Like what kind of split are you, a training split are you kind of working off at currently? Play rugby. Uh, train Tuesday evening, Thursday evening, and play on Saturday for the rugby. So I commit to a minimum of two gym sessions a week. Lower body Monday upper body Wednesday ish like it's flexible like I don't um you know I travel quite a bit for work I sometimes get a bad night's sleep so I just make sure I get a minimum of two gym sessions a week if I'm feeling good I get a third in and that's usually a full body session maybe work on some stuff that I feel needs it but it's pretty flexible um so yeah that's how it looks really five to six days a week exercise and how about your nutrition and stuff like that? How do you work that around kind of the rugby and the, the various different trainings and stuff like that? Because I know some of the listeners I have anyway, we kind of are kind of footballers or rugby players. So it'd be interesting to hear from yourself on how you kind of manage your schedule around your meals and how it varies for you for the training. So I eat a diet that's predominantly real food. It's very heavily plant-based. Um, you know, I still have a high protein intake and a lot of that protein is from plant-based sources because I feel that plants offer a lot for health. I still eat meat, I dairy, but it's become a little bit less over the years. Um, and it's also because it keeps my diet interesting. I like to cook like different things and experiment with things. And I think it's easy to get caught in the habit of, you know, buying your eggs, chicken and your beef and just eating those things all the time so there's a there's a real beautiful array of different protein sources today and i think that's a it's a good thing so uh eat a lot of real food i eat around three thousand calories a day if i'm not training training from training it's around three and a half thousand calories a day uh, and all i do personally is i count my overall calorie intake nothing more um a track 
see that I don't under eat and I don't over eat. Um, both can easily be done uh, on a performance perspective. I don't want to under eat. And from a body composition perspective, I don't want to overeat. Um, and then my nutrition is pretty flexible. Um, there's no rigid structure. Um, I'll be honest, this morning I got up and I had um, a sachet of nut butter and a lump of dark chocolate with a coffee. And do you know what? It's just because I fancied it. I had a really big meal the night before. didn't want anything heavy. Felt like I had a bit of a sweet tooth and I just had that. And to be honest, I didn't eat for another four hours. And I've just had um, a plate full of uh, whole wheat pasta, some chicken, loads of vegetables and like a spicy sauce. Really nice. So my, my diet is really simple, um, you know, but it does focus on real foods. I get plenty of protein on board and I make sure I track my overall calorie intake. So I feel I'm on point. I think that's I think that's a, I think that's an awesome answer. And the fact that you've kind of mentioned the flexible approach as well, which is something that some people can either go from one extreme to the other of literally counting everything and being so rigid or else they can kind of press the they kind of take they can take the piss almost when they kind of hear the flexible approach is like they can just go oh here's a big bag of haribo here's a big bag of crisp or something like that rather than concentrating what you do is kind of concentrating on more plant-based or more natural foods or less process on less processed foods so I, I'm lo- i love the fact that you've kind of brought that up you say you're on the kind of a more of a plant-based diet do you have any tips or little uh little nuggets of gold for someone who is vegan who who is plant-based where to get their protein sources because that's something that a lot of people can't or do struggle with sure so firstly let me define that i'm not vegan or yeah. vegetarian or anything like that when people say plant-based they quite often think oh like I'm pretty much vegan. Um, I'm plant-based because I feel it's the food that people should eat. There's still protein in there. There's still dairy. There's still all that kind of stuff. So um, I just want to clarify that because I don't want people to feel that how I manage and what I eat is not attainable for other people. Um, eat an awful lot of fruits and vegetables. That's because I think what humans are designed to eat along with uh, good quality protein sources. Um, you know, when it comes to being sort of vegan, um, You've just got to concentrate and plan things a bit better. It's it's more difficult to get some of the nutrients that you need. I find on a personal level, it can be harder to kind of fill yourself up. So those are considerations. Making sure you get a broad nutrient profile, especially from an amino acid point of view. So, you know, if you're sticking to a lot of your protein sources being pulses, beans and soy, long term, you might be deficient in some of the essential amino acids because you're not getting a broad enough array. So that's got to be considered. Sometimes a vegan diet can be deficient in saturated fat, omega-3 fats, some of the vitamins like calcium, iron, vitamin B12 can be a problem. So it's not not doable. You just got to think more about you cannot be a lazy vegan and be healthy. It's just not going to pan out well long term. You're going to get some long term nutrient deficiencies. And I know you you're you you have a supplement company at the minute, and I know that's one of the things that a lot of people are are going out into shops or buying them online or anything like that. Is what what's your go to supplement, and what would be kind of your recommendation for someone to kind of who who's looking at looking to start out in their fitness journey? What would be the kind of the, the one supplement you kind of recommend? So I always start off with health before you can consider recovery and performance. So from a health perspective, we know that generally people are deficient in vitamin D, magnesium, and fish oil. 
And again, if you're vegetarian, vegan, calcium, iron, B12 might be an issue. So I would always look towards a magnesium supplement, vitamin D, fish oil. Um, so yeah, I own awesome supplements. We put all of those products into one product. So all you have to do is take the, the, the one thing every day. Um, if you want the fish oils, then that's a separate product, so two products. But they're the, they're the, the key things. Um, 300 milligrams of magnesium a day, uh, two to three grams of fish oil, and two and a half thousand IUs of vitamin D would be the baseline um, nutrients that you'd want to get on board. From a health perspective, that should cover most people and you can safely put a multivitamin on top. You know, sometimes we don't always eat the perfect diet. We might be traveling. We might be highly active. We might be inconsistent. So a multivitamin could help as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you you kind of hit on it there earlier about your own calories and stuff like that. Uh, and one of the things is that a lot of people can kind of become obsessed with kind of the number on my fitness pal or the figure on the scales and stuff like that. How important do you think it is for someone to kind of take a diet break from kind of tracking, particularly if they've been kind of doing it for maybe four or five, six months and they're kind of, they're they're mentally, they're kind of a little bit fatigued, uh, let alone physically fatigued. How important do you feel it is to take a diet break? Yeah. You kind of really hit the nail on the head with if the person feels fatigued, and a bit fed up and stuff at all. Um, when I went on my fat loss journey, I just did it. I went from start to finish, lost all the weight. I was highly motivated. So it wasn't a problem. But, you know, ultimately, over time, the body's going to kind of, you know, feel a bit depleted, a little bit worn out. The, the, the kind of mental game of dieting, you're probably like, do you know what? It would be really nice to just not have to think about it too much, have a bit of a break, go on holiday, enjoy food. And that's perfectly fine. No one should feel bad for that. Um, you know, we're not we're not going backwards because your mental health is just as important as your physical health. So if that's the break that you need, yeah, 100% do it. Awesome. No, because I know... It seems to be uh, there's uh, there's loads of TV shows and stuff like that on. We have kind of Operation Transformation on in Ireland, which would be kind of like the biggest loser that you'd see over in the states and stuff like that. And there, I'm not knocking the show because I admire the people for putting themselves out on the TV show, going out and stepping on scales every week in front of an audience of a couple of million people every week. I don't be on the biggest broadcasting station, which is RTE here, so I don't. Uh, knock it at all for that but what I do kind of knock is the fact that I from what it looks like from the outside in or from being in the industry is that they're kind of giving these people uh, crash diets and I know myself I did a crash diet for a photo shoot last November and I have to say that I felt like utter shite uh the soul went in from my eyes there's a photo of my instagram that my eyes just went completely so and that was the monday the suit was on the friday <clears throat> and on the monday my coach took a, sh- a photo of me in uh doing like the check-in and my eyes had just had completely gone what would you say about kind of the mentality of, to try and get away from the whole crash dieting thing that's out there at the minute so i have no problems with people dieting quickly the problem is, is a, a crash diet is potentially dangerous because it can leave you quite depleted. That, that means you're going to be pretty crap at work. You're going to be pretty crap in the gym. You're going to be pretty lousy partner to your partner because you're always grouchy and tired and hangry. And that's just not a good quality of life, right? 
Now, if someone says, right, I'm going to do a crash diet because I want to, you know, get some initial fat off, I want to kickstart, I want to feel motivated, but then I'm going to slow down a little bit, I want to make sure it's sustainable, I want to feel healthy, then that's fine. You know, that's two very different mindsets going into a diet. One's treating it for what it is, bit of a kickstart. I know it's going to be a bit aggressive, but let's crack on. And the other is, oh, I'm going to go on a crash diet because I want to lose some weight before I want to go on holiday or, you know, a wedding or something like that. And the mentality is probably, well, when I finish, I'm just going to go back to how I was eating before and probably put all the weight on again. So I think the mindset of going into this stuff is really important and just knowing what's going to happen not being naive to all the changes that are going to happen. You know, if we look at a bodybuilder online, which is probably where we most glorify these kind of diets, getting really lean and trying to do it quite quickly, like, it's not fun. Like, these people might post up photos of, like, oh, look how lean I am. But, like, you know, I just did a photo shoot. The last couple of weeks were not fun. Like, Ben was not having any fun in those weeks, like doing the extra exercise, still eating low. You know, I wanted to diet break. So I think we need to be careful what we glorify online because, you know, there, there is a real fine balance of where everyone's body composition sweet spot is, of what's maintainable, not just physically, of looking and feeling good mentally, emotionally being able to enjoy a certain amount of food with your social environment and stuff. Like I really comfortably and happily sit at about 12% body fat, any lower, and I have to work quite hard for it, and it starts to become a bit of a pain in the ass. And how did, uh, how did how much of a lead-in did you give yourself for that photo shoot that you spoke about, or that we spoke about earlier? Uh, I did it 12 weeks. Okay, so, um, yeah. And I probably lost about a stone in the 12 weeks, which isn't a lot of body fat. But bear in mind, I did it during season of my rugby. So I had to go slow. And also, I didn't want to do it drastically. I just didn't have any interest in going quick because um, I like to live my life. And was there, well, is there any food that you can't look at the same way now that when you, kind of, when you were kind of on that diet? I know myself, when I did it, I gave myself 10 weeks. Um, I'm probably looking back at it now, I should have given myself longer. But now I can't eat egg whites and I can't eat tins of salmon. I just can't do it anyway. Because I was on 260 grams of protein uh, a day. And I had to get it some way without being very high calorie content. So I literally cannot look at those two things ever again. Um, was there anything that you kind of, was there any go-to food for yourself when you're kind of doing a cut? No, uh, because the only thing I do really when I lose weight is I just eat a bit less. Um, I just, I still enjoy the same foods in the same way. I just eat, you know, three, four, five, six hundred calories less depending on the day. That's it. Awesome. No, I that 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 approach is a lot better than the one I took. But I needed that must. I need, <laughs> I, I need, I needed that for like the ten weeks. I gave my undersold how big of a task it was going to be. Like I'm quite slim naturally. But all my weight literally sits on my hips or on my belly. So I was literally like the last, so I have like a little ridge on my belly. And as soon as it took like until two days beforehand for that ridge to go. And two days after the shoot, that ridge came back. So for 10 weeks, I literally had no ridge or I had abs for like three days. So it was quite, quite annoying that it was literally took that long to get for like the four days. But as you said earlier, it's not maintainable. 
physically or mentally to have the, the that body for I'm so much better now. I've put on maybe half a stone, four or five kilos, and I feel a lot so much better for for doing that. The the first podcast that I listened to yourself, I became aware of Ben through an interview you did with Brian Keane here in Ireland. I had Brian on the podcast a little while ago, and Brian was the one that actually told me to do the podcast. I met Brian in, I think it was April in Dublin, and then I went up and met him again up in Galway uh, a couple of months, or in December. And he was like, you're at the stage now to go and do the podcast. You're flying it with clients, you're flying with online clients, you need to build more of a brand. And that's what I was trying to do. So I've been doing that since then. But one of the first podcast, solo podcasts that you I heard was yours. And that is why I resonate with you so much because it was back in December 2017. I went all the way back to that and it was titled The Hardest Year of My Life. Uh, there was in two parts. Uh, and the way you spoke about it was so was quite deep and methodical and quite eloquent about the whole process and the whole the whole thing that happened. Can you talk about a little bit more in detail of kind of the the topics that you kind of covered in that for whoever hasn't listened to the to the podcast? Mm. So I won't go into too many of the details because obviously this is primarily a health and fitness show, yeah. and a lot of the things that happen to me were kind of uh, quite career business financial so my business was growing and in 2000 and sort of late 2015-16 I took on a lot more kind of like staff of what we were doing with trying to grow and pull and um, promote what we do and you know made some bad decisions started spending money in the wrong places got you know uh, caught up in my ego in places and you know we ended up uh, losing an awful lot of money um, because I was tracking what was happening I was leaving other people to be tracking that that um, essentially weren't really qualified or experienced enough to do, do it and uh, you know I got a call January 2017 and uh, my accountant said look you're going to go bankrupt if you don't sort your stuff out you've got no money in the bank you're in the red it's all gone and um at the start of the year we'd had about i don't know about 80 grand in the bank as a business so 2017 was tough it was a year of trying to rescue all the damage that had been done and it's not a simple process when you uh, have a fairly large business you can't just cut all your ties with stuff and you know all your your kind of cash comes back and your problems go away so 2017 was uh, all about putting on a brave face on social media doing my day job trying to do even more in the background then trying to be a good you know husband to my wife and all that kind of stuff and it, it was really freaking tough um and i got to the end of 2017 took a, a good 10 years 10 months to get out of the shit so to speak and you know I, I kind of wanted to do the podcast because I almost felt dirty that I hadn't shared all those hard things and so much of my podcast is about look life's not perfect there's there's always improvements to make but let's be honest about what needs to change and how we go about that change and that's why the podcast you know focuses so much on health and fitness and mindset and career and everything because it's all intertwined, it all affects everything. You know, in 2017, my training went to pot, like my well-being took a dive, like all of that stuff's affected. So if I had a personal trainer and I hadn't shared that stuff with my personal trainer, the personal trainer might be going, why do you feel tired? Like, why are you unmotivated? Well, there's a reason because financially I'm in the absolute hole. Um, 
So I wanted people to hear all that stuff because there's a there's a lot of people that follow me that would have seen the brave face and actually there was a lot happening behind it and I just yeah I just had to share it and once I'd shared all that information all the stuff that had happened you know I felt such a massive sigh of relief and you think how many people with their mental health because they literally just don't share what's going on and I only spoke in a mic for an hour and it felt like self-therapy and you know sometimes you just need to talk about these things to get them off your chest and that's what I did and I literally spent three days on Instagram answering messages because there was so much love for the show because people just have this perception that everything's going well and it's all good and it, and it wasn't and when I shit people were like shit wow like respect and then people sort of went on their own journey in a deeper way and, and that's cool I love that though I love the fact that you've kind of alluded to kind of the social media side of things that it is some people think that it's kind of a negative place to go to but my experience of it has only been positive like them like since I started doing the podcast I did a solo episode a couple of weeks ago about my battle of mental health my illness my my whole story and struggling with kind of education and learning and stuff like that as growing up and thought I wasn't good enough and all that kind of stuff and to hear people that I don't even know people that have come out of the woodwork from when I was at primary school or school or and then I had one or two comments from teachers. I had no idea that teachers would even listen to this, uh, listen to the podcast. So as, as it is, it's amazing for that. And there was a, a show here in Ireland recently and they did, they had like a few Instagram, um, Insta famous people. And they were kind of saying that like, it is a huge community and they had people, a few people, who are from remote places in Ireland, but they've connected with people all over the world and they are into a particular type of Japanese anime and they've com- created a community. They dress up as these characters and walk around in the streets and they meet up every month or every two months. So social media has had its kind of place that it's kind of, it can be negative, but there's also the positive side of things. So I'm delighted you kind of brought that up. In relation to the kind of the podcast, the podcasting, what did you learn about yourself mentally after that whole situation? After kind of going through the whole process, and then after doing the podcast, I learned to trust myself again. So, in two thousand and sixteen, my business and my work was venturing into a place that I didn't really have any experience in. You know, it, it was it was exploding. Things were going well. You know, we had an opportunity to grow and help and uh, do a lot of really good things. And rather than trusting my think, you know, I'll work it out, you know, take one step at a time. I sort of had a bit of fear and was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll hire this person and they'll take away all the problems and they'll be able to do this and all the rest of it. And I acted too quickly. I didn't think things through. I made the wrong hires. So over that period of time, I learned to, you know, trust myself. Um, make sure you go through methodical steps and you act on data rather than assumption. Um, but ultimately, we all know how to get to the place that we want to get to if we'll take the appropriate amount of time to try and get there. Um, I was trying to, like like the physical body, I was trying to take shortcuts. And there's no short, there is a few shortcuts in business. You just need an awful lot of money to be able to stimulate that. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't. Um, so, yeah, now in business today, 
I trust myself. If I don't have the answer to something, then I make it my mission that week to try and find an answer and think about it and be methodical about it before I implement it. So that's the key thing I learned. I think I think that's awesome that you kind of and have you kind of have you got a, like kind of a mentor on the kind of the business side of things that you kind of reach out to or is there a few people that kind of in your kind of inner circle that you kind of go to as well for that side of things let not doesn't have to be the business side but there's also the kind of the mental side for yourself to say if you're could be frustrated with something to do with the rugby or else your own training or your own nutrition and you're not sure of something is it do you have a kind of a, a circle that you kind of go to for that yeah, I do. Uh, there's several people I can pick up the phone to, drop a message to, some on a more formal kind of mentorship basis. And once you've been in an industry and in a group or a network for a while, you, you, know, you develop mutual um, people that will help each other. So, yeah, loads of people that I can pick up the phone to and get advice. That's awesome. I, I think it's quite important to do that. The fact that you can—that's that's also that's the power of the social of social media again. That you can are there if, as you said, you have a formal thing that you may have their their personal number, but it's also great on social media. You may be able to ask a question with kind of like the likes of Eric Helms or something like that. If you're kind of asking a training question, they try and come back to you. Um, is there anyone on social media at the minute that you would kind of recommend to follow for? One kind of the health and fitness side, and then one for the mindset side. Bar yourself. Man, there's so many good people. It's yeah, tough. It's um, crazy. My mindset side of things, uh, God. Like, there's literally bazillions of people like Carol Dweck, who made the famous book, like Mindset. She's brilliant. Um, guy that used to be in our education program the btn academy he's called uh, dave cottrell uh, he's a mindset coach he's mindset by dave on instagram um god there's literally bazillions of people it's, t- it's tough to single out like one person um and then i'm like uh, i don't know like the fitness side of things um in the past i've had a coach andy mckenzie i like how he talks about training and hard work um one of our athletes on the supplement company, Shelly McCoy, I think she's a great um, sort of role model for training and stuff. She's a CrossFitter. There's, oh, there's loads of people. No, there are so many people. I know that there's a lot of people. The one thing I'd say about kind of that question is that not everyone's going to be for everyone. There's going to be different little yeah. people that you resonate with different stories from different people. I think that's why I resonate with yourself because you had the hard times in the same year I did. I resonate with Brian because he's kind of gone through having as a so-called real job and got out of that industry for himself, for his own mental health. He was uh, like, I enjoyed the whole social life side of things and then kind of got into the fitness thing. And like, I admire him so much for that. Um, That leads into kind of the next question regarding any tips on how to manage a hectic social life and still kind of maintain kind of staying on track or losing weight? Is there any tips that you kind of give to people when you're kind of, when people talk about that? I think that's one of the most common questions I seem to get via, via social media at the minute. Mm, yeah. So I think there's got to be a certain amount initially of acceptance around how far you can go with that and maintain good body composition. Like, like you don't want to go out and have fun, um, but that involves like getting drunk. Really. That is going to be tough to maintain good body composition because it's just going to affect so many 
things in your lifestyle you're going to be tired you're not going to get good training quality chances are you'll overeat etc etc so with me with my social life it's important to know basically what i'm going to end up consuming so if i go out and have a couple of pints with the lads and we have an indian like if i want to have good body composition the next day or stay on track then i'm need i'm going to need to be aware of how many pints i have and the calorie impact and what's in my indian so it's about knowing what's in my food i know that if i stay out too late i'm probably going to feel tired the next day training quality is going to go down so you have to weigh up kind of um the how far are you going to go with your social life and how much can you manage and then find your sweet spot you know the amount of clients that you and me will coach and they're constantly trying to push how much they can go out and enjoy themselves compared to looking awesome the next day i'm like it's just so only so far you can push that before you're just going to get a negative effect so you've just got to accept what is more important to you going out and having fun and maybe not looking quite as good or maybe being a bit more effective with your health and not going out quite so late or drinking so many pints yeah and i think like most kind of most weekends if you are going to go out for pints you're not ultimately going to miss that much like if like most nights out are the same there may be one or two stories that come out of it but like that's basically it and one of the tips that i kind of give my clients is that if you are going out for drinks try to drink enough water so you stay, stay enough you know enough hydrated state the next day so you don't, you don't feel as lethargic um and even try and get up and get active the next day and go out for a hill walk bring the dog for a walk or go out with your girlfriend or boyfriend whoever it may be um and it's just all about kind of if you have a goal in sight you be an adult and be accountable to yourself don't necessarily don't necessarily go out on the pace every weekend if you say most of my clients for instance ben would be um would be brides to be um and they kind of on average they give themselves probably about 16 to 20 weeks um to get ready for the wedding i have one girl who gave herself loads of time and she's she's four weeks out now and she looks she looks awesome as no it's no it's all down to her um it is all about kind of having that goal and being an adult about the goal it's putting your health first rather than kind of going down the route of for the sake of having a social life i know i did that previously with kind of just having a social life for the sake of having a social life um we're one of the last questions before the q a that kind of came in via instagram is regarding the kind of online coaching it seems to be a growing industry at the minute um, the fact that everyone is on their kind of smartphones and be and they would be able to access a program via their smartphone. Um, what would you say to someone that may be a little bit unsure of if, if online coaching is for them and what ultimately what is online coaching if if not if someone isn't un, isn't aware of what it is? Well, it obviously has its limitations. Yeah. For, for example, it's reduced the barrier of cost. Sometimes it can be kind of cheaper, but that also reduces quite often the quality of contact with your coach. I think it's important to know yourself and how you want to be coached. So, for example, I'm someone that's very motivated. All I need is a bit of direction, a good plan, and I'll go and do the work and I'll follow it. Now, not everyone is self-motivated like that. And if you can find an online coaching program that can hold you accountable enough and give you enough check-in points, then brilliant, do that. 
But the chances are a lot of online coaching without paying a premium, you know, considerable premium, probably a similar amount to you would offline, you it might not keep you accountable enough. So, for example, and, um, you know, there's someone close to me. Um, she pays for a personal trainer uh, four times a month. So she goes once a week and that keeps her accountable with the trainer and the trainer is going to ask her how her midweek session went and all that kind of stuff. If she didn't do that, she wouldn't stick to a plan. Simple as. But she knows herself and she's like, this is what I need to do to stay on track. That means that for her, online coaching would be tough. She wouldn't enjoy it as much. You know, there's no accountability there because you're not turning up to a physical space. And ultimately, you know, the process of change can be a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable when you can talk to someone, you can communicate to them, you can see them. So that is the value of a personal trainer or going to a group exercise session or a CrossFit box or any of that kind of stuff, because you're around like-minded people doing similar things. And I find, I think that's motivating um, to have those checking points. You know, if you're just going to work, coming home, looking at your phone, oh, my app says go and do this workout. For some people, that's all right. But for some, it's not. I want to feel that community. I want to be part of something. So I think it's about knowing yourself and using the right tool for the right outcome for the right person. I love that answer because it's one of those things that you get a lot of inquiries from either out in the gym floor or if so, say some of, your, some of my clients may be looking to transition into it. But I, I tend to... My, I have a quest, I have a detailed questionnaire for them to see if their readiness. So it works with their like their kitchen, their mindset, and also their social circle. And if they haven't scored above seventy or eighty percent on that, and however I score that, they aren't. I I have no problem in kind of saying it that this isn't for you. I recommend maybe hiring a PT down the line. It doesn't necessarily have to be me because some of the inquiries are from different people from different countries. So as you said, it may not be for someone, but I love the whole thing that it, it does keep you accountable. And I'm delighted you brought up an example of even that lady that you're, that personal friend. She has one per, she has one session a week with her with her PT, and and she has a program working off that, and that keeps her accountable. So I'm delighted you kind of you mentioned that. So we're on to the Q and A. So there's about six questions and things that kind of came in. A few of them are kind of rugby related, and a few people are kind of mindset related. If there was one rugby player playing past or present that you would like on your team, who would it be and why? Lawrence Delalio. Uh, he was always a player I looked up to, thought he had really strong leadership. Like, you just play under him and you know the team's going to play well, it's going to be fun, it's aggressive, but it has purpose. And he just had so much passion that I think it inspired England as a team at the time. Um and I've met him briefly before, like absolute mad giant. Like you'd be like, I'm going to war with this guy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, best tip for managing your time? Turn off your phone and have a plan. I love that. And a lot of people do struggle with that. I know I've started to do, when if I'm finishing up my evening sessions, I will put my phone on flight mode. I won't turn it back on until after my morning sessions with clients or even after I train. I try to stay away from it as much as I can if, if possible. Um, tips for dealing with negative people? Try and not talk to them. Or uh, I genuinely, I feel sorry for them. I sort of have this perspective that, do you know what? I find it a little bit sad that 
you're always negative and you're always beating yourself up and trying to bring other people down. I'm not going to let negative people affect me. Um, I just think it's a bit sad that they can't be more positive and in a better place. And obviously, I'll try and help them. Um, but ultimately, if they're not really wanting to be helped, I just kind of circumnavigate their emotions and like, fine, you can be negative. I'm not going to be negative. And is there any tactic? I know some say some people, in particular, if they're listening and they have a job, and there may be negative people who may be kind of talking behind their back or anything like that, or if they're in the, the corporate environment where that may be happening. Do you have any tips for that? Because sometimes it can become almost tedious to do that, that you're kind of going out of your way. Why should you have to change your routine or change your day in order to kind of stay away from that person? Do you have any tips in that regard, in that way? Yeah, I wouldn't hide away or shy away from the situation. I would attack the situation directly. So your first example of someone's talking about you behind your back to other work colleagues, go directly to that person and don't go with conflict in mind, go with compassion in mind. And let's use two names, say Julie and Christy. Say, Julie, Christy said to me that you said to her so-and-so, um, is this true? Because I'd like to find out why you said it. Um, because it's not true. I didn't actually say that or I didn't do this. Um, I don't want us to have friction between us. But I think it's a little bit unfair that you've said that when it's not true. And just go to that person compactly. You don't have to go with anger because that's going to mean they put up a wall. Um, and then talk about it as a, as a person. And then if you find that there's a bit of bad blood someone or you just don't get on with them there's loads of people in life who just don't get on with just walk up to them and say hey julie look i get that we don't naturally get on we're very different people but we need to get on we work together and i want to find a way that we can work effectively together would you rather we communicate via email or telephone or have meetings? Would you like me to do things in a certain way so we can work effectively in our team? I don't want us to have friction between us, but for the job and for what we need to do, we need to work effectively to each other. How can we find a solution? So if you come at these problems compassionately, like a human being without aggression, the chances are you'll find a situation that can work for everyone. I think that's awesome because I think some people think that if they're due to go and talk to someone, it's almost should be in an aggressive state. And sometimes it may be uh, it may be acknowledged with an aggressive state back. But then it's just up to you to kind of sit back, take a few big deep breaths in and then kind of address it. But in, as you said, in a non-aggressive manner, don't rate, don't don't take their bait. They're almost looking for a fight. They may have some issue that's going on in their so in their life that you don't understand, you don't know about, and they're just looking for an outlet, and that may be their head, the hair they're dealing with it. It's not, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but it may be that they have an issue. So thank you for, I really appreciate you answering that one. Um, if uh, So one of the questions that came in was, feeling work, uh, burnt out at the moment, any ideas on how to deal with this? Yeah, rest. Like people struggle to rest because they get caught in a pattern of work, gym phone everything like you need to find a way to have a rest so even if it's you take a week off from the gym and you use that time that you would usually go to the gym to maybe take some walks outside maybe take some time out for yourself spend time with family pick up a hobby just do something different but if motivation is low 
or we're fatigued or we're burnt out or a bit fed up, the chances are we just need a but what we need to do is we need to recognize why we need a break and fix the problem before we go back into that environment. So it might be that your environment isn't fixable. So we might have, let's say, for example, a full time busy mum. She's got quite a stressful job. She's got you know three mental kids like going back into that environment. She might not be able to change and control everything it just is her life. But I bet there are some changes that can be made so if you're dropping back into the same amount of training the same amount of stress the same amount of environment you're just going to end up at the same place again and you're going to keep dropping through that vicious loop so take a week out take a couple of days off and then with the remaining couple of days off reflect and make some changes so that you don't go back into the same big ugly horrible hamster wheel that you keep getting caught into I think that's I think that's phenomenal advice. But the importance of rest, I know I've struggled with that previously, and also the importance if you are training, you could take a deload week, and by deload week you could either reduce your training a little bit, or in some cases just don't do any training. So last week I was a little bit run down, didn't train for the week, hit it hard on Monday, and I felt so much better physically and mentally for it. Um, if you were to have a gym session with one person, past or present, who would it be, and why? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, it's, just, yeah, people normally go for Arnie or The Rock. Yeah, Arnie, you know, just years of seeing him online, his passion, his aggression, just everything. It just, and you probably have an awesome chat at the same time yeah. about just his life and all the cool stuff that he's done. So, yeah, definitely Arnie. That's, a, that's an awesome answer. And then what would be your, so, your go-to so-called treat food? I hate the word treat, but... Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the word treat. I eat things if I want them. I drink things if I want them. You know, foods that might be quoted or seen as bad, uh, probably beer, love beer, love alcohol in general, but I'm kind of a one or two drink guys um, kind of guy. Um, I drink probably four days a week, if I'm honest. But again, I only have one or two drinks. Yeah, yeah. Like it just stops at one or two, that's it. So, And I do it purely because I love the taste. Um, and just enjoy it it's enjoyable for me um, otherwise you know a bit of chocolate love a magnum ice cream you know just nothing like I never restrict anything so I'm never like oh my god I haven't had a Chinese in ages I really need a Chinese and just eat my face full of Chinese just have a little bit of what I want um, when I want it I like the way you say magnum I have magnums downstairs and I'm definitely going to have one before I go back in this, this afternoon Ben, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I know you're a busy man. Um, I really appreciate some of those answers are absolutely phenomenal. Um, particularly, I really like the one regarding the, the kind of negative people is definitely one that is going to resonate with myself. I know a few other people that was, I think that question came in four times uh, via the Q&A. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see what the feedback will be on that. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Legend. Thank you very much. And if, yeah, if anyone wants to find me online, Ben Cooper all over the internet. Um, yeah, easily found and will always help if people need it. Definitely give Ben a follow. He has a few different accounts and a few exciting little projects Ben has coming up as well. So it's exciting times for Ben. I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on over the next little while on those. Thank you so much, Ben. You're welcome. Thank you, dude.